There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's WCN-TV program. This is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Man, we're almost into September, aren't we? Crazy. We're going to be covering a lot of topics on today's uh, program. Our guest today is Dr. Anthony Horvath. I didn't use the F word. (laughs) Just a little background. Tony's been married for 25 years and is the father of four. He became a pro-life advocate after doctors advised him and his wife to abort their daughter, diagnosed in the womb with spina bifida. The Horvaths instead chose life, and their now teenage daughter has been a delight to the family. He's an author of several books, including a work of fiction titled The Corn Siege, which I have a copy of right here, if you all can see. Cool book. And that was released last year, deals with some unique and... um, some unique scenarios and suggestions for throwing off tyranny in the midst of current multiple crises plaguing our country. Um, That is The Corn Siege by Dr. Anthony Horvath. Um, He's currently working on a new book, Warning of Totalitarianism, and he maintains a social media site for those who value freedom, which you can find out more about at cornertable.us. Also last year, he launched Dynamite Harvest, which is a produce farm dedicated to providing food security for his own family and like-minded individuals. You can learn more about this project at dynamiteharvest.com. So, Tony, is it okay to call you Tony? Yep, that's just All right. Welcome to the program, Dr. Horvath, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me, Rob. (laughs) How are you doing? Pretty well, thank you. Let's start off with your book um, that came out last year, The Corn Siege. I think that's a good place to to begin here. It's been a while since I read it, but it was a page turner for me. And I thought it offered some pretty good and some pretty basic ideas for turning the tables on the tyrants. Um, You just stop doing business with them, right? Yeah, basically. just And don't feed them. For goodness sakes, don't give them any of your food. Yeah. So maybe, can you give us just a kind of a general plot of that book? Yeah. So uh, incidentally, the the timeline starts off um, this upcoming January. So, so there's still time (laughs) for, yeah, yeah, for it to unfold. Um, And in the, uh, the, the background of the book, um, Joe Biden is no longer president. Um, We don't really say what happened, but just look at the guy. You know, anything can happen. Um, and, uh, but what has transpired is all, all the things on the liberal, progressive, secular wish list have really starting to take place. Uh, you know, total gun confiscation, um, so on and so forth. But, and then uh, people have really begun experiencing the consequences of all those policies, which are things like hyperinflation. Um, you know, so we saw, I, I wrote that book. I published it. It's been almost, I don't know. How long has it been? Did I didn't. Came out in 20, uh, May of 21. So you probably wrote it the year before that. So yeah, pretty close. So, you know, not doing too bad for, uh, 
you know, looking 18 to 20 months in, into the future. But it's also very predictable. You know, the, there's only one thing that can happen when you do the things that they do. And when people can't eat and uh, they can't do business, uh, then uh, they stop thinking ideologically quite as much. They stop thinking about uh, climate change or other peripheral things. And they just start thinking about uh, how am I going to afford my mortgage payment? Uh, I, I like the way some of the characters in that book, um, which are uh, mainly liberals and leftists, um, have the chickens come home to roost yeah. <laughs> on them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, 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 yeah, go ahead. The, the, I mean, they have, they have a mindset and they just can't quite grasp what they've done. Um, but Yeah. That the so yeah so the three main characters of the of the book are uh, liberal progressive status types and there's the, these are the heroes um, and uh, all the people that that we know that people who are like minded with us uh, you never really meet them except in, in passing they're they're the ones that are um, happily eating and enjoying community and fellowship and still have their homes. Um, and, uh, the three heroes of the, the tale can't figure out what hit them. Um, but you know, some of them come out a little bit better than the others, but it's a steep learning curve for all three of them. I would say it was fun to write. I, I really enjoyed, uh, putting them through the ringer. <laughs> well, it's an interesting book and you can find it. Do you have a special website for that? Um, or that people yeah. should, should purchase from? Well, you can, um, all sales are actually directly through Amazon right now, but you can go to the corn siege.com and, uh, it'll, it'll take you to Amazon. Um, if someone, uh, gets hold of it and likes it a lot and wants to buy multiple copies, I'd be happy to, um, and I, I mean like 50 or more or whatever. I'm happy to, um, accommodate something like that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you've also done a lot of research on uh, totalitarian regimes and, and how they take hold of a country. Um, where do you believe America is now on that timeline? So really good question. Um, I would, if I had to like try to put it back retroactively, and I've thought about this really quite a bit, I would say maybe 1930. Like, like if you were to think of it in those terms, so the the Nazis had not yet actually taken power in 1930. That would come a few years later, but they were a growing menace, uh, highly antagonistic. Um, they enjoyed uh, um, a lot of. They didn't just enjoy popular support, but there was a lot of um, elements in the government and the authorities that um, gave them cover. Um, and then you throw in all the, the the social undercurrents that were just super tumultuous. So I think what the what is lacking to prevent us that, that the thing that's keeping us from going from thirty to thirty three is is we there's no quote Hitler there's no um, lightning rod personality on the left um, the way that you have with for example on the right with Trump right. Um, good thing he's on our side, right? Um, but there's no there's no charismatic person on the left that can kind of bring everyone together and um, and really direct uh, the the uh, the official action. Like that's what happened with the Nazis, right? They went from like this this on the ground group, and then suddenly they had the full might and authority of the German government to to do their bidding. Um, and so that that's good uh, that that there is no such person. But um, history doesn't always repeat quite as cleanly as that. So you know, we I know we all know that they want to do gun confiscation. We know that they want to socialize um, everything, you know, much more fully. And so you know, things could unfold in a different way. But I, I I'm kind of leaning towards if they can't pull out someone that. Uh, can they can rally behind 
Um, they might just teeter on for a while. And and let's face it, they just the, the Democrat Party, and I hate to make it political as directly as that, but they don't have anyone really on the bench that anyone's really interested. Everyone else, no one's, even the liberals are not happy with like Hillary Clinton. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're just, I mean, who, who do they actually have that even they respect? There's just not that many. Um, they will vote for them reluctantly because they don't like Trump or they don't like Republicans. But um, voting against something is not the same as the enthusiasm that comes from voting for something. So, but like the totalitarian angle, if you don't mind me just kind of continuing here, is that, you know, they all have um, things in common. They're, they all they all do similar things. Um they they nationalize the media, for example, right? They they take full control over it. They stifle other voices. Um, the, there is some sort of socialistic te- tendency kind of throughout it. Uh, but then uh, there's other things that we don't think about that kind of come up as like a as a side or incidental, and that's where my research is. Like for example, checkpoints. Okay, so you you look at um the border control policies of these totalitarian states. They they set up roadblocks because they can't let people out, right? People want to vote with their feet. And if people vote with their feet, then they got an empty country. They get they don't they lose everything that they have um to draw on for resources. So those are the the little things that my research is kind of like when I'm talking about writing a book about totalitarianism, it's the small clues that tell us we're in trouble. And we came really close to that with COVID. You know, they're shutting down state borders, uh, interviewing people coming in and out. Uh, that was a really worrisome thing when I saw that because um, they had, that was the closest on the little things that I saw. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. There are so many things about COVID that were totalitarian. But um, as one of the few little th- clues that I um, been documenting that I I saw unfold right here in America. The Constitution protects the free travel between states, and no one blinked an eye when they when they prevented that. So it says as much about our population as it does the uh, tyrannical forces as anything. Well, and it's not just this country; it's really worldwide, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we are looking at at a coming one world government. I think eventually. I think everybody kind of sees that on the horizon. So, yeah, that's your the great reset stuff, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I'm I'm look kind of looking at the big picture. Um, we can see what's happening here, but um, if if you just look look to the north, see what's what's become of Canada, and you kind of see our future right there. I mean, they were freezing bank accounts of people that even sent $50 to the trucker's convoy, if you yeah. want to go, so. Absolutely. That's another a good example of one of those those little things. Like people, when they think of tyranny or totalitarianism or the Nazis, they think of those big things, you know, uh, marching people in the concentration camps. They don't think about the little things like the putting of the Star of David on the Jews, right, which is a lot like those those COVID passes they want us to have on our phones, you know, and that is actually very similar to what they did in Rwanda and that genocide, you know, how you were identified on that little ID, whether or not you were Hootsie or Tootsie, you know, that was life or death. So as soon as you have a, um, an organizational ability to implement tyranny, it's only inevitable that someone comes along and abuses it. And so, we got to be real careful with that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. And uh, not to mention the, uh, the coming digital currency, um, which is, you know, it's, it's already been uh, in, in the process of being developed. It's already pretty much developed, ready to roll out. And uh, at that point, um, that that's the point where you can no longer buy or sell unless you use their digital currency uh, yep. with your tracker. So that's right. But uh, you mentioned um, 
you mentioned Trump, and I find it interesting that um, the left is now kind of walking back the uh, the benefits of the jab, aren't they? Um, yeah. And they are not only doing that, but they're starting to blame Trump <laughs> for the for the uh, uh, Operation Warp Speed and and the jab. And um, personally, I think if he doesn't come out almost immediately now and um, renounce that and, um, you know, basically tell everybody, yeah, it was a scam. Um, I don't know how much, you know, people are not going to put up with uh, being lied to. And once once the leftist media lets out it lets it out of the bag that it was all a big scam and and uh meant to actually hurt people rather than help them um i don't see good things on the horizon well i don't see good things down on the horizon anyway no matter what happens even if even if he does it what you propose you might have a, a more optimistic view than i do which was you think so i'm pretty <laughs> pessimistic about <laughs> i you said people won't put up with the lies but uh that's all they've been doing for yeah, yeah. decades and decades and decades uh and yeah there are people waking up but um i just don't see the numbers uh I don't see it happening. You know, if you go back, you look at the rise of the Tea Party. You know, that was the the last great shot at you know really uh, returning power to the people and self governments governance to the people, and and it only took like two years for that that giant movement to be co opted. And um, I know that people are optimistic about this November, but I don't see any kind of I don't see the same kind of energy now as I saw in back in the uh, 2009 yeah. so yeah yeah i'm pretty uh pretty skeptical I, i'm planning my, my all my um all my activities right now are are basically geared towards just assuming that the worst is going to happen mm-hmm. well and i think that's wise i think that's wise you know a lot of our viewers have been prepping the best they're able um for a coming collapse and we see you know rapidly rising inflation supply chain shortages and we're hearing about food shortages and even famine here in america um somebody just said that um uh, the average cost of living for the average american now is eight hundred dollars more than it was uh just a few months ago so i mean you factor in your your food and your energy and gas and uh, heating um so eight hundred dollars a month more is uh kind of a big chunk for people to swallow absolutely so so how much time do you think we have before things get really bad here and um do you think possibly it can even be avoided Oh, that's and what great. would that take? You know, let, let me just, I'm sorry. How much time do, do I have? <laughs> Seriously. Do you I, have, you have yeah. another, um, um, 40 minutes, um, 40, minutes. 40 minutes. Okay. Good. What am so I doing? Can... I'm looking right at the clock and I can't. All right. All right. Good. So we can, we can take some time to hash out some of these things. Okay. Yeah, so can it be avoided? How much? Um, how much time? One of one of the problems with the the time question. We'll start with that one. Is uh, again, if you look through history at the way th- these things have happened and, and gone down, um. You've got like the the genocide in Rwanda, which, which literally was launched overnight, and things were bad um, and deteriorating for a long time before that. But um, it took the catalyst of that plane coming down with the president. I think it was the president 
um, dying. And then they use that as a justification to do what they had been wanting to do all along. Um, the Armenian genocide, you know, again, it was just like um, the, the Armenian Christians had been having so much trouble for for a long time. There have been many times that they had been killed. But when it came down to it, it happened um, pretty quickly. It was World War One happened, and uh, the the Turks saw an opportunity. And it, it's just so it was kind of a... Um, uh, I think there's actually a statement. Someone things are things happen slowly until they happen immediately. Something like that. Um, and you actually, if you look at a lot of these things um, in history that we consider to be just terrible things that that surely no one would allow it to happen, um, they happen so fast that no one could do anything about it anyway. Uh, the Bolshevik Re Revolution, you know, just all of a sudden, you, you, the Russian government was overthrown, and, and now there, there's chaos. Uh, you could really just kind of go, almost all of these incidents happen where, where the groundwork is laid for years or even decades, and things go on, and you would have thought that if you were living through them that okay th this is the time th this is the moment where it's going to happen and it didn't right it, it, it didn't and then it was easy at the time for people to say well you know maybe it was much ado about nothing maybe i was exaggerating maybe maybe it's just no big deal um after all this is especially pertinent with like the the nazis um and then all of a sudden it was a big deal and there was nothing you could do about it. Um, I think we have a, a similar situation here where, where things are building and we, people like you and me and, and people who are like us, we can see the, the writing on the wall. We, we understand the signs, uh, but we, we don't always appreciate the, the inertia of civilization that, of, of just people getting up in the morning, going to work, going home, and just that, that cycle and what it takes to really break that. It takes something huge like COVID. So you, you can imagine like for COVID, I was, you know, I was like on the ready, like, where is this? I was ready. Something like that is like, that could have been it. Right. And maybe in some ways it was it, you know, it's not done. Um, but I would say that, in my estimation, the the number one thing that we should be looking at as our, our primary warning sign is whether or not they actually successfully come for the guns. Because, again, in the examples that, that, that I gave, in Rwanda, um, people didn't have guns to defend themselves. They barely had machetes. Um, in Germany, the people have been disarmed. Certainly, the Jews have been disarmed. One of the first things that the Turks did with the Armenians was disarm them for, in, for, for their own good. Um, the people who long to dominate the globe, the globalists, the elitists, the statists, they know that they cannot do what they really want to so long as the people are armed. They know that better than we know that. And so, uh, the 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 Supreme Court decision to um, basically uphold the Second Amendment was a serious setback for them. Uh, I'm sure that they had a plan; they were working it. Uh, they wanted to find some way uh, to ban assault rifles, and they were not going to stop there. They're going to figure out a way to go forward. Um, so now they have to rethink think how to do that. So probably what there will be is you know, I won't even call it a false flag. It doesn't have to be a false flag. Some mass shooting somewhere. Uh, and uh, it's so bad that even even conservatives and Republicans, if you can believe it, would be like, yeah, you know, I guess maybe we need to get rid of them. And under under that kind of a cloud, they'll, they'll come for it. And they can't do what they want, not really, until that happens. But by extension, also what it means is 
is that the rest of the world um, has sort of a, a lull in the action, so to speak. Because so long as people can vote with their feet, so long as people in France can say, you know what, this Macron guy, he's just nuts. Where am I going to go? America. I'll cross the southern border if I have to, right? That, I was actually talking with somebody who's been trying to get a green card to, to come here for like a couple years. And I, I don't know if I was serious or not, but I said, just come across the southern border. Then you're home free, you know. But, he, you know, he's like, well, I can't do that. I, you know, I want to be legal. Those are the kind of people that we want, right? But anyway, I, I slightly digress. So the, the, the thing is, is even in the globe, so long as there is um, a great geographical territory with a huge population, we've got almost 350 million people with at least that many guns, where people who are oppressed around the world can go to and, and find refuge, they cannot um, unhinge the trap. There's, there's, so if, if I had to look at one single kind of thing that tells us there, it's on its way. It's gun confiscation in America. But once that happens, look out. Everything's going to change potentially overnight, not just here, but across the world. Yeah, see, I just don't see how that would happen. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess I didn't see how any of this stuff could have happened over the last two and a half years, three years. Yeah, right. So um, it it seems in, uh, incomprehensible to me, but um, well, I, what I what I what I do see probably much easier for them to work with would be to uh, roll out that digital dollar and um, cut people off from from buying and selling unless they use that particular thing. So um, one day you go to, and they say it's going to happen on a Friday. They're going to say they're going to have right. the uh, the system down for the weekend just to um, do some upgrades. And and um, on Monday morning, your ATM card doesn't work and uh, banks are closed with armed guards. And, and you basically have this big announcement. That's I mean, that's what I'm hearing. No, so. I don't I don't think that's uh, um, inconceivable. I think I. I agree with you even that it would be easier for them. But I I think still they're not going to be able to have the free hand that they need when when people can take care of those armed guards, right? If, if 50 people from the local community show up armed and uh, say, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do to give us our money. Um, I'm not saying that would be successful. What I'm saying is that – that would blow their orderly plan to pieces if it happened across the whole country. Mm -hmm. I, we, I, I think it goes without saying they want the digital dollar. Um, it's virtually almost identical with the description of the mark of the beast in revelation for, you know, what they, the way that they, they describe it, uh, their hostility to cryptocurrency tips their hand. I think, um, I would be surprised if even, uh, crypto, uh, excuse me, Bitcoin um, is allowed to be legal after that. Um, not, I mean, maybe it'll go on for a little while, but they hate competition. But so long as the people in their local environments um, have the ability to defend for themselves and cannot be stopped, um, they're going to have they're going to have trouble. And I'm not saying they won't try for it, I because don't misunderstand me. I should say this. I don't necessarily think these are the brightest people in the world. Um, I think most of them are, are kind of dumb, actually. They, but they, they do love their power, and uh, they love their money. Um, so they're not above anything. They're willing to try anything. But that doesn't mean that they're smart enough to pull it off. We give them too much credit, I think, for sometimes thinking that uh, – they have the intellect to figure out how uh, six billion moving parts are going to actually fall fall together. Mm -hmm. They're not God, and uh, they can have the strongest computers and the 
most powerful algorithms and they're still not going to be God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that the, the digital dollar is probably going to be a step toward the gun confiscation that you're talking about. But, okay, you know, there's a lot of people that are, um, they, they talk big on, on social media and they, they talk big in, even in person, you know, I'll just wait till they show up at my door. I'm ready right. for them, you know, but yep. you know, a lot of those are the same people that dutifully put on their mask to go to Walmart. So um, I guess I have my doubts as to just how many um, people are willing to um, put their yeah. life on the line when it comes to it. So I hear you. So, um, let's let's talk a little bit about the social media site that you set up. Um, okay. In fact, I w- I just talked today on the phone with with a friend who is um, wondering what's up with his uh, social media stuff. Um, he's got all these followers on Facebook, and yet nobody's getting his posts. Yeah. And I said, well, here's what here's what they're doing. <laughs> yep. We had we had like thirty thousand people when we were on Facebook following Wisconsin Christian News, but probably only twenty were ever getting anything we posted. Um, so that's called shadow banning, folks. They don't tell you they're doing it; you just don't get the posts. Uh, they don't put you in jail, Facebook jail. They they just don't put your posts out there. Yep. Um, and I don't want to get into the whole my history with Facebook, but um, needless to say, we are not with them any longer, haven't been for over a year. But, um, you know, it's not just Facebook, it's it's every, seems to be every social media thing, Twitter, um, Instagram, YouTube, um, they can uh, cut you off at, at, at will. So you started something called Corner Table. Tell us about that. Sure. So, yeah, I had some of the the same kind of experiences that you described with Facebook. Um, and also saw the writing on the wall in regards to uh, how big tech was was um, changing its tact towards conservatives. Um, I, th- I believe that big tech uh, believes that the, the election of Donald Trump in 2016 was largely their fault. Um, they allowed the Trump organization to tap into the tools, the, the Facebook uh, targeting uh, for advertising that was able to really drill down. Um, and the Trump organization bragged about it at the time, too. Um, uh Certainly, the Twitter platform was uh, one that Trump was able to to use quite a bit, and uh, it's pretty pretty obvious by now that um, they have no intention whatsoever to give any aid and comfort whatsoever to Trump or anyone who possibly might think like him in even the smallest respects. So, the to me, the question then came down to. Well, I have important things to say, and there are people, not a, not a lot, maybe a lot more than I realize if, if I were able to reach them, but, um, and I, I need to say, I'm like, I just need to, I need an avenue for discharging my sense of um, obligation to warn people. And uh, it was not going to be, it's not going to happen on Facebook. It's not going to happen on Twitter. Um, they either they were going to shadow ban or just put me in Facebook jail whatsoever. And there were enough people who I felt were like-minded at the time that um, I went ahead and, and made the investment in software and uh, with a developer um, to help me customize it or whatnot. So I created a social media site of my own that um, I believe had some of the strengths of the social networking concept. So, for example, I'm not a big fan of, of Twitter 
I find Twitter to be an insult to the intelligence of humanity. You know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm right with you there. Yeah. Let me let me hold that thought. Let me interrupt you for a second, Spencer. Sure. If you if you can bring that page up for us, uh, cornertable.us, and then uh, Tony can kind of guide us through that. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, so I what I, there are things that I think are, are are potentially valuable about social media, um, the ability to connect with people far away, friends and family, the actual social part of it it's the social engineering part that is the the great concern of mine so i didn't want to um create something that was specifically christian per se it was specifically uh free speech it's like if you care about being able to speak freely and openly um i'll set up something and uh, I don't have to worry about anyone banning me. And there's not a lot of people on there, but the people that are on there are, are like-minded. And we can speak freely together. We can uh, share with each other the things that uh, concern us most. We don't have to sugarcoat it. There's not a, um, there's no, I should say, there's no integrations whatsoever uh, with Facebook or social, uh, Twitter. Uh, there's only one integration with Google, and it is uh, I use their anti-porn filter. So if if someone uploads uh, an image or a video, it goes through their uh, pornography detector, and that's that's pretty much the line. We're not, I'm not going to allow pornography and adult material on the, on the site, um, and Google is the only one that that can effectively do that but that's the only integration so there's uh there's no google maps uh there's no geo targeting or anything like that so uh, you're, not you're, you're not tracking people you're not um uh, yeah. following you know particular exactly. points, of view, points of view so yeah so now but the one of the reasons why there's the, um it hasn't taken off quite the way that i want is people just they just love that Facebook. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, and the part, one of the reasons why they, they love their Facebook is that's where their their friends are. So what what I've been saying ever since I started, and for the people who have done this, um, it's worked, is um, you've got to bring with you the people who are like-minded. Otherwise, you won't be here. You can come, and that so many people have come. And they like it. They think that it has that that balance between the the actual social element um, and the the networking element. Um, and it's not Twitter. People can actually like speak in more than eighty characters at a time. Um, but then they kind of drift off because, um, well, this is going to sound weird, but they're surprised that they don't see any posts. And they forget that there was a day when they joined Facebook and they didn't see any posts because they didn't make any friends, right? Mm -hmm. there, was no, there was no content to see because they hadn't linked with anyone yet. So it, it's the same thing here and probably with all the other ones, Gab and um, Parler or whatever. Until you actually make connections with other people on the platform, of course you're not going to see content. But if you choose to make use of the platform, it's here. It's ready for you. It's um, um, I care. I call it the corner table because to me, some of the best conversations that I've ever had were in restaurants. Uh, even like, like they they are already closed and they're looking at you, wondering when you're gonna leave, kind of a thing. Um, but you're kind of tucked away in the back. You're not causing trouble, and so they let you hang out for a while. And so I want it to be a place for communication and community and not engineering. And I think I've succeeded in creating the platform for that. And uh, now my hope is to, um, you know, bring a lot more like-minded people to it. Well, um, as you know, we also um, developed a, uh, a discussion group on our website at wisconsinchristiannews.com um, as a replacement for Facebook. Um, if you scroll down there a little bit, you can see right at the bottom there. There you go. Click on that WCN discussion group, log in, 
you know, first you got to register yep. and then you log in and, and it was meant to be kind of like corner table is. Yeah. Our problem is people like that Facebook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a drug, right? It, and um, the, our other problem is that we don't have an app. Um, Facebook, you've got an app, you just click the button and you're in. Um, yeah. This you got to, you know, you've got to, um, and there we do have, I don't know how many people I'd have to look it up, but we do have quite a few people that have registered, but uh, it doesn't, it doesn't get used. And it's very frustrating to me because it took um, over a year and a lot of money to develop this discussion group. Yeah. And um, even I don't use it because it, <laughs> Because <laughs> I got to yeah. log in and then I got to, you know, so yeah. it's, you know, I, I try to use it to try to spark some things. But um, um, so do you have a way when people would post something on on corner table that that you get a not- notification of some kind or? Yeah, it has a it has a notification system. OK, see, that's something that we forgot to build into this. And um Actually, our web developer um, developed this. That was the last project she did for us, and then she quit. <laughs> so, yeah. But it it took her probably at least a year to put put this together, yeah. and um, it's it's not an easy thing to do. So, yeah. but as I understand, you do have a an app for your site, right? That's right. So yeah, the right. So there's an Android app. Um, it's on Google Play. You can get it that way. Uh, and if Google Play ever shuts me down, um, you can actually uh, sideload uh, apps to Android without using Google Play. Um, there is a way to do that so you can get around it. Um, the uh, what I about, have... What about iPhones? Yeah, everyone always asks about the iPhones. You're out of I, luck, aren't you? I can't even believe that there are people who use the iPhones, but yet well, people keep asking me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the problem with uh, I so the bottom line is I have the app for iPhone, but getting it onto the Apple Store or whatever mm-hmm. they call it for that, um, it's a lot harder to do because um, they have a lot more. Um, th- there's just a greater process to it. Can you set it up so people can download it directly from your site? I I could, but my understanding, and please tell me I'm wrong, but the last time I looked at this, unlike Android, iPhone does not have the ability to load a third-party app outside their store. Has that changed? I don't know. That's a good uh, question. Does anybody in our studio audience know the answer to that question? And as long as I'm, as long as we're taking a short little break here, anyone in the audience have any questions for uh, for Tony? Quiet group out there. We have um, we have people from uh, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, um, Ohio, and Kenya watching today um, live with us, Tony. So, all right. Um, Hello, everyone. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Well, the last time I looked, and I assure you I looked pretty hard, but I I will admit it was probably at least um, nine months ago. Uh, iPhone just did not allow for that kind of app installation. Um, I have it ready to go. And the problem is is that I would say uh, 98% of the people who sign up for Corner Table they only want the Android app. So um, when I um, when I get to a, a certain threshold where it makes sense um, to jump through all of the hoops that Apple has for me to get on their store, um, then I'll go I'll go ahead and do that. My hope is that at some point, um, I, I mean, I, I hope that they make it so that you can um, install it outside of their store mechanism that would be isn't it it's weird to me iphone is known for its um advocacy for uh security and whatnot like uh from the point of view of like 
tr- ad tracking and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you would think that they would welcome uh, having apps installed in that way, so that bypassing the sensors, so to speak. But yeah. um, hasn't been my experience so far. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, I don't even know how to turn on an Android phone. I wouldn't know which which button to push. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I don't blame you for going to iPhone. I, I'm looking at getting an um, Android phone. My next one's going to be one of those Google free ones where they have stripped out the Google operating system. Not the, no, the operating system is uh, public domain, as it were, but the Google tie-ins are removed. Hmm. Um, those are now becoming available, and that'll be my next Android phone. Yeah, the farther away I can stay from Google, the happier I am as a I hear person. You. Yeah, it lets me sleep well at night when I stay away from Google. Yeah. So anyway, cornertable.us, and you can sign up there and become a member. Uh, Is there a cost to this, uh, Tony? No. Okay. So we're spread the word. We're looking for new people to join, and um, you know it. In place of an app, I could just put a bookmark on my phone and I could easily get right in. So it remembers my passwords. It would not be hard for me to do. I just have not done it yet. Um, So I'm sorry. But I I currently am using MeWe and Wimkin and um, it's okay, but they don't have a lot of traffic at either place. Yeah. So... um, there's some good uh, good groups on there, and there are there's a lot of good information that I that I get from some of those uh, from those two, um, but not a lot of people, not a lot of traffic. I think we have like after a year and a half, I think we have about uh, 800 followers maybe on MeWe. So yeah, which is pretty sad when we supposedly had 30,000 on Facebook before I pulled the plug. So. Right. I pulled the plug because they banned me on uh, Independence Day, <laughs> July 4th. I thought, okay, this is a sign from God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm done with you guys. And yeah. um, I took everything down. So, yeah, And then I, they started begging me to come back. Oh, look at what you're missing. You're missing all right. this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they begged me for two months every day by email. You know, come back. You we you can still activate your account, and nope, <laughs> I'm not yep. gonna do it. That's right. So, anyway, you've got another project here, and uh, before we run out of time, tell us about Dynamite Harvest. Sure. So, I mentioned a, of earlier in our conversation about how so much of what I do is just planning for the worst, um, and the produce farm is right up that alley. Uh, obviously, like, for example, if, well, the digital dollar that you, you reference, right? Um, people are not going to want to do that. People like you and me are not going to want to do that. So you're going to have an alternate economy that's required, right? And what are people going to find valuable? Well, maybe they will like gold and silver, but you can't eat gold and silver. Um, yeah, that's that's one of my questions. Um, everybody says we should be investing in gold and silver, but if you can't spend it anywhere, um, right. what what good is that really going to do you? Yeah, yeah, and this dynamite harvest is not necessarily uh, kind of meant to be a way to provide barter items for for people. It's it's so that I can feed my family. Actually, let me let me put it differently because. Actually, so much of the other things that I do, like corner table, that they're a way, these these activities are a way for me to obey my conscience, right? So, like, if if I could go back 15 years, um, I really hated all the things that I had to buy from China. Mm-hmm. Um, I re- it really bothered me that it, all my food was coming from the godless California, even. Um, but where else am I going to get my food? Where else am I going to get my necessities? Where else am I going to, the, the, even the things that I actually need, I'm not even talking about like the, the, there's the wants versus needs. I'm even my needs are coming from places from 
organizations that I detest. What am I going to do about it? The only way that I can do anything about it is for like food, right? Is to grow my own or locally source it um, so that I can vet the um, the providers as, as much as I possibly can, right? So Dynamite Harvest is a way for me to, to feed my family and not necessarily when the chips are down, when my convictions are being challenged in the marketplace. And I, I want to say, you know what? I'm not doing that. And you can't make me. At least I'll have food, mm -hmm. right? At least my family will be able to eat. At least I'll have a place to be. And, uh, and uh, we pray to God that it doesn't, get any worse than that right um anytime soon where even that's taken from me but i think at least for the near term e even if things get bad um they'll leave me alone <laughs> right you know so but the produce farm aspect of it is is we're growing a lot of food um we've we've got two acres in this year and the plan is to add another 13 acres next year that is a lot of food so you don't even have to necessarily um, be worried about all the things that we've talked about. All you have to do is look at the supply chain issues, um, the the energy costs, all all the the inflation, right? Things that are driving up the cost of the thing that we really need most, besides water, and if you unless you're getting theological, of course, because of course God, we need God. Don't, don't hurt me anyone but like temporarily speaking food water shelter right so what i want to do is i want to provide food and produce for like-minded individuals who want to live with a clear conscience and know that they're um getting food from a place that's not going to be selling out uh, that i mean that's the idea that's the hope right so we've well, already got. Let's, uh, let's see how this works, uh, okay. Spencer. If you can click on shop there, let's see what uh, Tony has for sale. Well, that's top. probably that's probably the worst place to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you're have better off. for sale. No, look at click on Start the blog. Start picking some said. beans or something, man. <laughs> click on blog. There you go. Okay. Click on news from the farm that's updated today. Okay. All right. There's the news from the farm. Yeah. Green Acres is the place to be. There you go. There you go. So um, I I went so far as I, I hired somebody as my dedicated farm manager to make sure that we did this right. And he's the one that, that posted this. And he's the one that, that takes care of the farm. Everything's um, great out there. We're, we're over, It's almost like, you know, the land of milk and honey out here right now. Mm -hmm. um so now we just need uh we need folks to come enjoy our milk and honey um now having said that i mean we've been selling at markets i mean we've been selling the food but um my passion what i really want to do is is that i want to enable other people to be able to have a clean conscience like me so that they too can get their food from places that are not run by communist jackboots or buy from China. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because that was kind of a joke about California again. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, so we already did this this year. We had a pilot program. We had a food security membership program. Uh, we limited it to just a handful of people to make sure that we could do it. And um, next year, when we add this other 13 acres, we're going to increase the number of people, members, so to speak, um, to one, 100. And I'm very confident that we can feed uh, 100 families with 13 acres um, mm -hmm. with, with a whole lot extra. Um, so we're already, I, I have a, a link for the Wisconsin Christian News folks that, that I gave you and your producer the, the password for it, because this is not open to the public. This is just, this is invite only. This is word of mouth. The, I don't want just some random person showing up. He probably works for the FBI anyway. No, I want um, people who know people, family, friends, uh, 
contacts, people who are going to resonate with our vision and what we want to accomplish. I want those to be my customers. And then when everything hits the fan, if it ever does hit the fan, it probably will hit the fan. You know, then we have already have this community of people who are uh, positioned to know each other, potentially feed each other and take care of our, our basic needs so that we don't have to sell out to the man. That's, that's what I, that's what what I really want to do here. So anyway, um, uh, Spencer, could you pull up the, um, food membership link? So this is a password protected and the password is WCN, but it, the password is lowercase WCN. And it basically works like a, a CSA. So I don't actually remember what the letters stand for, community share association or something like that. So this is something that a lot of produce farms already do. Um, they, they sell, quote, shares of their produce um, at the beginning of the season. You, you give them a, a lump of money and then um, they give you a share of the produce that they generate throughout the year. Um, this is like a market-based CSA. So the difference is um, you choose the produce that you want. So that just makes so much more sense to me, right? So you still give us the lump sum at the beginning of the season to kind of secure your position. Um, but then uh, you decide what you want. Uh, we have already been – we've made deliveries. Today we shipped out to Alabama. Um, we've shipped out to Michigan. Um We've made deliveries up to 100 miles away. So you don't have to necessarily be in, we're in Greenwood, Wisconsin. You don't have to be in Greenwood, Wisconsin to, to be a part of this program. In fact, um, I think only one of our members is. All the rest of them live hours away. Um, and we still find a way to get them some fresh produce. Um, so there's, um, on this page, there's a link to a, um, a form contact form it's also password protected lowercase wcn um sign up give us well let me tell you here's the advantage of being part of this the food security membership program is if you are a member of this program what we do is we give priority access to our members so before we sell any food at a market or online or anywhere else we send an email to our members and they get first divs on, on everything that we produce. And that's the advantage. So if, if worse comes to worse, which we, we think is very well, could be, we don't know the time frame, but if it does, you're going to want to be uh, associated with an organization that's going to come to you first and say, I've got a hundred years of corn. Do you want them? Yes, you I get, do. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're the, the first person's on the list. And um, then maybe we'll go, you know, sell it to other people down the lines or whatever. But uh, it's basically like having your own farm without actually going through the effort of doing the farming. So what's the cost um, to be a member? This year it was uh, $300. And most of that money was is a credit towards the purchase of the produce. So you're not you're not really losing anything because um, uh -huh. you still get $300 worth of produce. Um, okay. So it'll probably be at least that next year. Um, I don't want to give a, a hard number because what's going to happen is we're going to get to October, November, and we're going to sit down and we're going to look at the world and um, see w where things are. We're going to see what other people are charging and what, what's fair and reasonable. What, what we don't want to have happen is we don't want to sell – um, a $300 share. And then um, next year, you know, we have hyperinflation and a tomato costs a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. you know, so we don't want to get caught in a situation where our, the $300 thing is actually worthless yeah. and it yeah. means nothing to people. Yeah. So, so right, right now, um, $300 is, you know, kind of that ballpark. If people are wondering if it's going to be worth it and you just ask yourself, you know, how much do I spend on, on groceries in a, in a summer? And uh, it, it, we want to be roughly compatible with that number. So whatever, we're going to try to work that out in more detail. But 
that's uh, the general well, answer. Is a, that is a great idea, and I, I think I'm I'm going to sign up. Um, Fantastic. So um, that is dynamiteharvest.com, um, and you said you need to use the um, um, the code? Yep, WCN lowercase. Okay, and that gets you in. Okay, great. All right. Well, hey, we are out of time here, unfortunately. So um, there's there's more I had to say, but I guess we're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we said a lot. Yeah. Uh, Rob, thank you for, for having me on doing this. I really appreciate it. I, especially this Dynamite Harvest thing with where things are. It just seems so important that uh, Christians begin finding a way to keep a clean conscience. And yeah. um, hopefully I can help with that. My thought was make really good friends with the Mennonites who own the country stores. Um, but right. this is a good idea too. So <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. We'll see you all next week. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you.